0: Judges chapter 7, if you have your Bibles, let's go to Judges chapter 7, and verse number 18. I felt the Lord dealing with me about this particular message, and I have to admit that I I have resisted it. This isn't the message that I wanted to preach tonight but I do want to be obedient to the Lord. How many were blessed by Brother Campatella this weekend? Was that tremendous or was that tremendous? And I, I don't want to just rush past the reality that 15 people received the Holy Ghost in these altars this past Sunday. I think we ought to thank the Lord for that. And we ought to give him praise. Four people baptized. And I believe that God is just getting started. Judges 7 and 18, if you have that, say amen. This is, of course, Gideon. As they are in the midst of victory over the Midianites. And he said this, when I blow with a trumpet... I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp, and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Everyone said unity. I'm not preaching about that tonight, but I can't read past that without reminding you of the importance of unity. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp, in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets, and brake the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets, and brake the pitchers, and held the lamps in their left hands, and the trumpets in their right hands to blow withal. And they cried, The sword of the Lord, and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp, and all the host ran and cried and fled. And the three hundred blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the hosts. And the hosts fled to Beth Shittah and to Zerorath and to the border of Abel-Meholah, unto Tabith. And the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Nephtali, and out of Asher, and out of Manasseh, and pursued. After, someone said pursued, they pursued after the Midianites. I'm purposely bringing you towards the end of a story and you're reading a story of great victory. This is the culmination of a time of oppression when God's people receive victory over their oppressors. But I'd like us to look at how they got there. And my title tonight is simply this, Revival, Not Survival. Revival, Not Survival. Could we put our Bibles down and lift up our hands and let's ask the Lord to talk to us tonight. Could we do that, Lord, in your name? I pray that I could be the watchman on the wall tonight, that I could warn somebody, that I could help somebody, Lord. And I pray that I would be a vessel that you can use, Lord, not of my own self, not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, God. And I pray that you would anoint the hearers to hear and we give you praise in the name of Jesus. Everyone said in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for standing and worshiping. You may be seated. A quick study of military tactics and strategy will teach you that contrary to our initial perceptions, having a survival mindset is not the key to winning wars. Of course, we all want to survive, but simply wanting to survive is often the very thing that will get a soldier killed in battle. War tacticians will tell you that when engaging the enemy, often the best defense is an overwhelming offense. The word survive carries connotations of just getting through. To survive is to barely maintain against overwhelming odds, limping along until rescue comes remaining alive and nothing more. But God has not called you and he has not called this church to simply survive. God has called us to thrive. God has not called us to survival. He has called us to revival. A survivor in the wilderness is looking for salvation. A survivor is obsessed with rescue and in need of intervention. Survival is a difficult and treacherous existence, fraught with uncertainty and ambiguity. A survival mindset, although noble in the right circumstances, actually becomes counterproductive to God's plan for your life. You can get so hunkered down in survival mode that you refuse to walk in revival mode. Let me say that again. It is possible for churches to get so hunkered down in survival mode. It is possible for individuals to become so hunkered down in survival mode that they refuse to walk in the revival that God is calling them to. Many churches and many Christians become comfortable with a survivor mentality. And you might be thinking tonight, it's okay to be that way, but it's not. There is a fundamental problem with simply surviving because it rejects the power of God. You see, Jesus didn't die so that you could barely live. He died so that you could have life and not just any life. He died so that you could have abundant life. That word abundant literally means beyond. Jesus came so that you could live a life that is above and beyond pain. Jesus came so that you could live a life that is above and beyond temptation. I wish somebody would preach with me here for a moment. Jesus came so that you could live a life that is above and beyond sin. It's not the will of God for you to constantly stumble and get back up again. It is the will of God for you to live above sin. It's the will of God for you to live above doubt. Oh, I'm about to preach here. It's the will of God for you to live above complacency. It's the will of God for you to live above the weight and the cares of the temporary. It's the will of God for us to live beyond fear. That doesn't mean that you won't experience these things. It means that you are equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit to rise above these things. Jesus said this. He said, in the world, ye shall have tribulation. He said, you're going to experience suffering. You're going to experience attacks. There's going to be things that come against you. The Spirit Of the Antichrist, which by the way is alive and well in 2015. The spirit of the Antichrist will always be coming against the church. That's nothing new. But Jesus didn't stop there. He said, But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. John wrote in his epistle, That the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world. All of those years ago, the spirit of the Antichrist had already entered into the world. But the children of God have already overcome that evil spirit. And then he gives you the reason why. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The church does not need to be intimidated by the darkness of the world. I know that the world is dark. I know that evil is waxing worse and worse. But it's not the job of the church to tremble in fear and hunker down in survival mode. Uh, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Uh, He's already won the victory. He's already fought the battle. He's already conquered. Uh, It's time for us to walk in the victory That God has already given. That's not a survival mindset. That is a revival mindset. The church is not meant to look at the end times with trepidation. We are meant to walk in the power and the authority of the spirit. John said, whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. If you are born again of the water and of the Spirit, then you are an overcomer. And there is a big difference between being a survivor and being an overcomer. I wonder if anybody tonight is thankful that God filled you with the Holy Ghost. I wonder if anybody remembers the day you were buried in the waters of baptism. Can I get a witness tonight that you were endued with power from on high when you spoke in other tongues as the Holy Ghost came? I want you to know that if you have been born again of water and spirit, then you are an overcomer in Christ Jesus. And it's time for us to start acting like overcomers. It's time for us to start thinking like overcomers. It's time for us to start laying hands on the sick and believing and believing that they will be healed. It's time for us to start witnessing and believing that they will walk in newness of life. It's time for us to believe that God is able. Remember this, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is dwelling inside of you. Once you are convinced that all you can do is survive, you will never thrive. When churches become convinced that all they can do is hang on, they never overcome. You will begin to put limitations on the power and the authority of God. When in reality, God's power has no limitations. No limitations. You will begin to act like an underdog when in fact the victory has already been won. You will begin to live like you need a savior when you already have a savior. You will begin to live like you need a deliverer when the deliverer has already come. Entire churches can slip into survivor mode, barely making it, fixated on playing it safe rather than living by faith. Churches can get so focused on what they can't do than focusing on what God can do. Churches can get so discouraged by what the world is doing rather than being encouraged By what God has already done. Is anybody here tonight thankful for what God has already done? If he never does anything more for me than die on Calvary. He's already done enough. If the only thing he ever does for me. Is cover me in his blood. And save my soul. Then it's enough to deserve my very best praise. Israel was in complete survival mode during the days of Gideon. When we first meet Gideon, he was hunkered down in a cave. He was hiding because it was harvest time. Every year at harvest time, the Midianites would come and steal their revival. That's how the enemy works when revival starts bringing harvest to people's lives, the enemy will come in and steal it if he can. The Midianites were an odd people. We don't find much about them recorded other than what we find in the Bible. But they are always recorded as the enemy of God's people. Their name gives us a clue as to what they were like as a people. Their name meant argumentative or contentious. And so every year when the fields were white and ready to be harvested, contention would come and steal the blessings that were intended for God's people. Contention will enter into a church and hinder revival. Arguments will hinder revival. I've already said it tonight, but we need the spirit of unity to wrap its arms around apostolic tabernacle. Clayton County has not seen the potential of a church that is completely unified in the faith. I wonder if we could all be unified tonight in belief that God is a good God. I wonder if we could all unify around the reality that there's power in the name of the Lord Jesus tonight. I wonder if we could all unify around the reality of the oneness of God tonight. I wonder if we could unify around the gospel. But beyond all of those things, I wonder if we could unify around love for our brothers and love for our sisters. Because without love for one another, we destroy all of the good things that revival brings. Contention will destroy revival. Contention will come in and steal the blessings of God. When we should be full of joy, when we should be full of praise, when we should be focused on things above and not on things below, when we should be full of victory, when we should be full of faith, if we're not careful, contention will steal our blessing. The spirit of the Midianites will invade a church at harvest time. It's no accident that the enemy always comes at harvest time. He always comes when God is doing great things. He always comes when the blessings are at hand. He always comes when the spirit is being poured out. I wonder if there's any apostolic warriors here tonight who would lift up your hands and pray against the spirit of the Midianites tonight and say, you're not stealing our revival. You're not stealing our blessings. God's about to do something this week in church. Are there any prayer warriors who would stand in the Gap for about 30 seconds go ahead and lift up your voice right where you are we don't have to wait for an altar call i rebuke the spirit of contention right now I rebuke the spirit of disunity right now. I rebuke the spirit of unbelief and faithlessness right now, God. I pray that you'd pour out the Holy Ghost this Sunday as never before. I'm not content with yesterday's revival, Lord. But I pray that 30, 40, 50, 60 people would receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I pray that the waters of baptism would be stirred over and over and over again devil you can't have our blessing You can't have our revival. I feel faith rising up in this place. Somebody open up your mouth and rebuke the enemy right now. Somebody go ahead and call out to Jesus right now. Our grandchildren will be saved, our children will serve God, our family will come back, the prodigal will come home. I claim it in the name of the Lord Jesus. The backslider will make his way back to the house of God, the blessings will come. The blessings will come. The blessings will come. The blessings will come. And God, we will not let anything hinder revival. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This is spiritual warfare taking place. Don't get complacent. Don't be weary and well-doing. We're doing God's work right now. We're pushing back against the invading forces of darkness. We're breaking up the fallow ground tonight. We're making preparation tonight. We're preparing for what God is about to do. But it starts with me. And it starts with you. Gideon was so stuck... In survival mode. That even when an angel of God. Think about this. Even when an angel of God appeared before him. And began to say Gideon thou mighty man of valor. Gideon was so stuck in survival mindset. That he could not find the faith to even receive What the angel of the Lord was trying to tell him. Gideon was so stuck in survival mode that he could not go beyond his past. I'm preaching to somebody right now. He could not go beyond his upbringing. He could not look past his own failures. He could not look past the failures of his family. He could not look beyond his fear. He could not see beyond his weakness. And God was calling him saying, Gideon, I have a purpose for you. I have a plan for you. I have a revival for you. I have a victory for you. I'm going to use you greatly. God's trying to use some of you tonight. You don't think God's talking to you, but God's trying to talk to you. God's trying to take an ordinary saint sitting on a pew and he wants to call you to do great things for the kingdom of God some of you are so stuck in your cave hiding you refuse to believe that you can be a soul winner you refuse to believe that God can use you to save somebody you refuse to believe that you're going to be a part of this end time revival I want you to know thus saith the Lord come out from your hiding place get out of survival mode and receive the word of the Lord God is about to use ordinary people God is about to take somebody who everybody is looking past and he's using you sir he wants to use you ma'am he wants to do a great thing in these last days all of the excuses that Gideon had His family's failure, the sin, the sin, the sin in his family's life. In fact, it was so bad that when he finally kind of haltingly received the angelic report and he was just beginning to take the feeble steps of faith, he was so fearful because his own family had constructed an altar to the false god Baal. And he was so fearful of his own family that in the middle of the night, he had to sneak out in the middle of the night to destroy the altar to the false God Baal. By the way, it was sin in the camp that invited the Midianites in the first place. Can I just pause and say if we want to have a real old-fashioned apostolic revival, we've got to take a moment and cleanse ourselves from all unrighteousness. We've got to get rid of the filthiness of the flesh. If we've built up any idols to any false gods, we need to go ahead and tear them down. Well, I'm preaching to somebody tonight. You want to have revival in your family? Start smashing some idols. You want to see an out pouring of the holy ghost start tearing down some altars to some false gods and just wait god will begin to do a mighty work in your life when you begin to remove everything that's not pleasing everything that's unholy everything that's impure remove it So Gideon snuck in the middle of the night and he tore down the altar and in the cold light of day, his family looked and they were angry and they were angry at Gideon. In fact, they were going to do him harm until one brother stood up and said, hey, guys, uh, listen, let Baal defend himself. If Baal is God, then let him bring judgment to Gideon. That's how I feel tonight. We need to stop being intimidated by the devil. Just go ahead and smash it down. Just go ahead and get on the offense. Stop playing defense. Stop worrying about what the world thinks about your holiness, sir. Stop worrying about what people think about your praise. Stop being ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. Go ahead and smash down the barriers and stand still and see the salvation of the lord let baal defend himself you know i i sometimes get tired you know people will say you know you need to defend your faith and i sometimes think you know i i don't need to defend my faith my faith is my faith why don't you go ahead and let the world defend its faith the world is putting its faith in a lot of things. They're putting their faith in politicians. Go ahead and let them defend themselves. It's a losing battle. The world is putting its faith in the economies of men. Just look how that's working out for everybody. It's a losing battle. Go ahead and let Baal defend himself. Let Baal defend the violence in Hollywood. Let Baal defend the promiscuity that's invading our homes. Let Baal defend the decline of the family in America. It's indefensible. But my God, my God is able. My God is worthy for me to stand up and be counted. He's never let me down. He's never let me down. God had to remove all of the fearful and all of the doubters. I want you to think about this. As Gideon began to put together an army, God had called him to go and to fight the Midianites, and of course his first thought was I need to get the biggest army possible. And sometimes we get that way when it comes to the things of God, don't we? When it comes to church work, we we want the biggest crowd possible, and I understand that. I I feel that way too. We want the biggest this and the biggest building and the biggest programs and all of the things. We think that the biggest will, of course, make the difference. But listen, God is not necessarily looking for the biggest crowd. God is not necessarily looking for the shiniest building. God is not necessarily looking for the fanciest program. But what God is looking for is people who are not afraid. He's looking for people who are not ashamed. He's looking for people who will not look back at where they came from. He's looking for people who will not be intimidated by the approaching enemy. And God said, Gideon, before I can let you go down and face the enemy, you've got to get rid of some of these doubters. Sometimes to have revival, you've just got to get rid of some of the doubters that are around you. Sometimes, if you're going to see God do something great in your family, you've got to stop listening to the voices that say it cannot be done. And you've got to say, listen, I need to get a group of people around me who want to praise like I want to praise. I've got to get a group of people around me who are just as fanatical about the things of God as I am. I've got to get a group of people people around me who are just as excited about the goodness of God as I am and go ahead and march forward with a smaller group if need be because it doesn't matter how big your army is if God is on your side you will receive the victory all God needs is faith as the musicians come Let me give you a a warning, and I know that this message has been, in a certain sense, a message of warning. Of course, they went in with a small crowd of 300 men. It doesn't seem like a very large army to be fighting an army that was described as so large that it looked like grasshoppers. There were so many of them, the Bible says, but 300 men were able to to gain victory over an army that was too large to even accurately count. God gave them that victory supernaturally because they walked in faith. But even after the victory, the initial victory, the Midianites fled from their camp and they ran and they were running back to their homeland. Gideon immediately gave chase and he began to call on others to help them give chase because Gideon knew that if we're going to maintain this victory, listen to me, if you don't hear anything else I say, if we're going to maintain this victory, we cannot allow any of it to live. Because if we do, they will only live to come back and fight us. Another day. Far too often, we accept partial victory when God wants to give us total victory. Far too often, we accept just a small portion of what God wants us to have. We go home feeling renewed and refreshed. We're strengthened for Few days, a few weeks, a few months. But then those same Midianites come creeping back into our lives because we refused to give chase, because we were still in survival mode. Survivor says, I'll do enough just so I can go back to being safe again. But an overcomer says, I'm going to chase the enemy. Until I've completely overcome and there's nothing left to live another day. That's why addictions are so often hard for even some Christians to overcome because our survival mode allows us to accept partial deliverance, but then we never chase after everything that God has for us we say stuck in survival. As they chased the Midianites. Listen to me, church. I'm closing. Stand with me. As they chased the Midianites, they came through two separate towns. Towns that had been afflicted by the Midianites for years and years. Towns. That had had their harvest, their revival, their blessings, their crops confiscated year after year by the Midianites, people who had lived under the tyranny and the oppression of the Midianites. As Gideon came through those towns, that one town, he said, Give us a few warriors to help us chase the Midianites. And they said, no, sir. Go chase them. When you win the victory, then we'll give you some of our warriors. They went to another town and said, we're, we're starving. We need some bread. We're chasing the Midianites. We're famishing. Can you spare us some bread so that we can continue to chase our mutual enemies? No, sir. No, sir, after you conquer the Midianites completely, then come back, then come back. Then we'll feed you. I know that I'm preaching a convicting thought here, but that's a danger that we church people can fall into. As God is trying to give revival... I can hear the voice of the Spirit calling some of us to go into battle right now. Calling some of us to give sacrificially. Calling some of us to get out of our comfort zone. Gideon said, no. He said, once the battle's complete, we're going to come back and destroy your town. Because you're either with us or you're against us. I feel a very sure word from the Lord tonight. We need to make up our mind collectively as a church body. Are we 100% committed to revival? I mean 100% committed to revival. We know the pastor's committed. We know the evangelist is committed. But are we committed or are we stuck in survival mode? Here's what I'm calling us to do. I'm calling us to come to this altar tonight as a church family, as a church body. And I'm calling us to come together as one, as one, as the body of Christ. And I'm calling us to stand around this altar and say, Lord, I'm not going to hide in a cave. I'm not going to stand on the sidelines. But I'm going to be in the middle of this fight until we have total victory. If any of us here tonight are struggling with doubt, maybe there's things you wonder, maybe God can't do that. I I want us to get over that mindset. Let's come to this altar. Right now, some of us are thinking of people that, that we think are so far beyond God that it's never going to happen. I want us to come and have the mindset of an overcomer tonight we come with our faith lifted high I I know sometimes it's difficult but let's come and say Lord I'm not going to thresh wheat in the caves any longer I'm not going to be in hiding any longer Lord but I am completely committed if you say give I'm going to give if you say to get out of my comfort zone I'm going to get out of my comfort zone I'm
1: not going to settle for partial victory I need
0: total victory
1: you are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. Go ahead, Gideon, accept your calling. You are awesome in this place. Go ahead, Gideon, receive an anointing.
0: Father. God has an anointing for somebody tonight. Lift up your hands
1: you are and receive an anointing right praise. now. Oh, and to you, oh, our yes. hearts we raise. praise. Amen.
0: Almighty
1: God. In God. Well, I feel an anointing settling over you this building.
0: Awesome this
1: place. Lift up your hands and receive a fresh anointing, Mighty God. From God. Oh, you, you are awesome are in this place. In this place. Father, Father, you are worthy of all praise, praise. and to you our hearts we raise, you are awesome in this place, mighty Mighty God, God. you are awesome in this place, Mighty mighty God. You are awesome in this place, i father, you are worthy of all praise, and to you our hearts we raise, you are awesome in this place, mighty God, mighty
0: God. every head bowed, every eye closed, Nobody looking around at all. I wonder if anyone would be honest and admit that you feel that God has been calling you to a a fresh anointing. You feel that God wants to use you in ways that maybe you've never been used. You want to go deeper. You want to go further in God. Nobody looking around. Would you just lift up your hand because I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you that God would give you a fresh anointing. A strengthening. That's it. That's it. That's beautiful. All right, I'm going to pray right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus. (laughs) Lord, there's a hunger for a greater anointing in this building, God. There's a hunger. I feel the heart's cry of people that want to go deeper. They want to go further in you, Lord. They want to do more. They want to be more. They want to experience more. God, I pray that you would give them the spirit of an overcomer, God. I pray that you would give them a mighty, 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 mighty anointing, God. Use them in ways that they never thought possible, Lord. Bless them in ways they never thought possible, God. I pray that the Holy Spirit would settle upon them from this moment forward. That they would walk in strength. That they would walk in power. That they would walk in the authority of the Spirit, God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, reach over and pray for somebody that God would use them. I want you to pray that God would use somebody. There's untapped potential in this room.
1: There's untapped
0: anointing in this room.
1: There are things possible in this room. You are worthy of all praise. And to you our hearts we raise. You are awesome in this place. Mighty God. Come on, Gideon. Come on, Gideon. Have faith. Alright How right. Come on, God's not quite done hey, with this You are worthy just of press all praise. And to you our hearts we raise. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. That's it, go ahead and receive what God has for you. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, the Father. Father, You are worthy of, of, the praise. To you our hearts we raise. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. Come on, church, let's just pray. Let's pray in this place, Abba Father, you are worthy of all praise, and to you our hearts we raise, you are awesome in this place, mighty God.